It is my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Hello, welcome to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast by Beach Commute. Today you've got me and Diego, and we are going to be covering the five countries in Africa that we've lived as digital nomads that we suggest for you too. So Diego, we're not in Africa today. (laughs) Where are you coming from? No, in fact, yeah, at this point in Bali, I have been here for the last two months. And yeah, I think I'll be here for a little while longer, but we have actually been in Africa earlier this year. Yes. And we're actually on a trip there together. Yeah, you and I spent, uh, we won't give it away yet, where we were actually two countries in the same place together in Africa this year. I actually was telling someone about it and I was like, yeah, last year when I was in this country, they were like, Marissa, that was this year. So I feel like we fit a lot in in the first six months of, of this year. I guess I was there for like February, March, April, May, I don't know, four or five months in, in Africa this year, which was so fun. I'd been wanting to get back there for a while. So yeah, I guess we'll just, we'll jump right in. We don't want to give away the list. So you'll have to stay to hear what our five, our five African countries are. But to kick it off, number one, we're going to talk about South Africa. So you and I, I guess I was there earlier this year. Were you, you were there last year, not this year. Is that right? Yeah, end of, end of last year. But then again, what is time? What is time? Yeah. <laughs> it is non-existent as a nomad. <laughs> We've lived 25 years in the last two years, I think, each. But for those who are interested in South Africa, we're going to share a little bit, kind of top line about each of these countries, about what it's like, just what it's like high level, kind of the safety, walkability, Wi-Fi's, co-working, that sort of thing for nomads. Diego and I did a deep dive on South Africa. I think it was episode number 22. So if this is somewhere that's on your list or you're thinking about, definitely check out that episode afterwards. But in the meantime, Diego, give us sort of the top line of, of what is South Africa like and kind of nomad life there. Yeah, so I think if we're if we're just going to try to try to give you an overview of it, I think the most important thing to know is that it's probably the most well, it is the most popular digital nomad destination in Africa, yeah. and it's one that's also in, in our community. There's now over a, a thousand digital nomads that we've been traveling with in that community. Also, I can tell you that that is one of the most popular destinations in general. So true that we go to. Yeah, and it's I mean for good reason, right? I've been. I've personally been wanting to go there pretty much since we started this whole thing about six years ago. And we kept on waiting. We kept on wanting to, to join the trip. And then finally, it panned out, you know, yeah, at the end of the last year. And when we when we got there, we were like, wow, this, you know, this place is stunning. Yeah. So we, we now, yeah, we understand why. <laughs> it is so wild it. to me. It is, of all of our nomad friends, so you and I have been living nomad life like six plus years and a lot of our friends are wanting to slow down. So in the beginning, when you start as a nomad, you kind of want to go everywhere, move every month, do all the things. And eventually, you start to want to kind of find a place where you can stay two to three months or longer. And surprisingly, that is one of the destinations I found among our, our good mm-hmm. nomad friends who've been doing yeah. this for a long time, where everyone is like, that that's their favorite spot where they really want to build a base. And you talked about that as well. So what is it? about Cape Town specifically within South Africa, I would say, that makes it such a place that nomads love and want to stay a while. Yeah, I think it, you know what, it starts for me, Marissa, when you fly into to Cape Town. <laughs> Starting from the beginning. And you just, <laughs> but, but in this case, it really is, it's stunning because you, 
you're flying in and you're seeing it's it's really right at the at the you know southernmost point of Africa and of the, of the whole continent and you're seeing these these incredible mountains at the tabletop mountain is a flat top mountain mm-hmm. there and just the ocean coming in on on either side it's it's a really really impressive view and that's kind of that kind of sets the the tone for yeah. for the rest of your your stay there i will say right. i was there for almost a month earlier this year as well and it is you know i don't love the cities but as far as cities go you've kind of got all the the conveniences of a city of like you know bars and restaurants and cafes but the nature there is stunning. Like every, and the, you have a view from it every, absolutely everywhere you are. So for me, one of the like the the wow factors about Cape Town was like every step I took, I feel like I was just eyes wide open for an entire month, being like, "How is this place this stunning?" Like the water, the mountains, and they're really unique. It's sort of hard to explain it until you go, but it is, yeah, unexplainably like really stunning is the best word I have for it. Yeah. It's kind of like you're living your normal life, going about your normal life, but with this constantly epic backdrop. Yeah. Right. And that just elevates the the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a co-working space in one of the popular areas, which we'll we'll get to and we'll we'll wrap up South Africa soon. But I remember just looking out, the co-working space had a view of of Table Mountain and I literally felt like it was like one of those fake like Zoom backgrounds. And I just spent half the day just staring out the window and being like, how is this real? Like, this is insane. So yeah, I would say that's one of the biggest draws of Cape Town is just really beautiful. But there's a lot to it as well. So talk to me, Diego, about like in terms of the city. And so aside from the stunning nature, and there's tons of like hiking and active things to do from there. But what else makes it like so nomad friendly? And then we'll also talk about why it's not as nomad friendly. But what are the what are the pros of Cape Town? Yeah, so I'd, I'd say that probably the the cafe scene there is pretty strong. Yeah. They're they're laptop friendly, so it's easy to find a place that you can work from. You know, like you said as well, the co co-working spaces are easily accessible. Whilst I, it's not really a walkable place, you wouldn't be, re- be walking around there too much. But it's very easy to get around. It doesn't cost much at all. I think less than a dollar or so to to get around in in taxis. Yeah. And just be moving into the different parts of town that you that you'd want to be in. Then, of course, the cost of living itself, especially in terms cost of accommodation, has gone up a bit. But especially in terms of food and, and those other things, that's that's still very low. And yeah, then then probably just you know that the the nightlife and restaurant scene is is really awesome there too. So just all in all, you've you've got this. You've just got tons of choice. You've got this amazing lifestyle there with that epic backdrop. You've got adventures just around the corner, like you said, lots of nature, lots of sort of outdoorsy type of things. And of course, access to these these incredible safaris that you can do from there. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. You nailed that. And it was interesting when you said it's not very walkable. It might, so there's a ton of different neighborhoods that would take maybe hours to walk through if you were to walk the whole entire city. But within each neighborhood, theoretically, it they are very walkable, except that it's not super safe to walk everywhere. So that was actually... One, and, and I want to get to the Wi-Fi and, and some of the issues there, but the walkability of it and the safety, it's one of the really, I would say, the most like warning I've got from, from actual South African friends who lived there, from nomad friends who, especially at night, were like, just don't walk in these areas. Like, no, even if your home is four blocks from the restaurant you're at, like take an Uber. It is really cheap. But that was actually one of the things that felt most like unfreeing is that a word like took away my freedom living there but people you know even even with that still love it and it's worth it to them like you really can walk around a lot of neighborhoods in the day and stuff but I felt like I was always on guard just from what everyone told me of places I wasn't allowed to walk and do and that that's one of the reasons I disliked it personally but I know that doesn't you know it's not 
a bother enough to make up for all the other wonderful things about the city that people love for, again, a lot of people are choosing that to live like as their number one nomad destination. So, and to your point there, Marissa, so we had this, there was this interesting moment where just, you know, my, my girlfriend and I just wanted to do this little hike and we, we sort of researched all these really cool places, seen all the photos. We're like, okay, we're going to go over to this place. We had, we'd rented a car and that was all going to be fine. So we drive out to the place, we get there and we're about to start the hike and we found a place to park the car. And right at the start of the hike, there's a sign that says, don't hike for your own safety. Don't hike here unless you're at least four people, yeah. right? And there's two of us going, mm, how do we feel about this, <laughs> right? Two. But it's that, and, and I think it's important to tell you how that felt. To me, that felt inhibiting, yeah. right? It felt like there was, there was a bit of your, your freedom there that, you, that you, you couldn't have. You had to make some of these decisions of what you do, your activities, how you even move and yes. exercise for that matter, or, or take, you know, just a, a random little hike with a group of people that's large enough so that you feel safe. So maybe a little sort of side suggestion is make sure that you arrive and maybe have some some friends there already, someone to plug you into the scene so that you do know that you have enough people at all times to be able to do some of these things yeah. with and not feel like you're inhibited in that scene. Yeah, way. that's a great point. And yeah, it's interesting. I love, like for me, when I go to a place, I explore by walking. So even for me, I wanted to walk between two neighborhoods to get to a co-working space. And I was like, is this okay? Like, can I, like, I did it. <laughs> Maybe should I, should I, I don't know. I definitely wasn't doing it at night, but yeah, it's, it's, there's some questions there. So it is helpful to go with a group and, there are epic, like, again, the safaris that Diego mentioned. You know, there's places you can drive to go surf. The water is very cold. But there's just tons of, like, day trips and ton- tons of hiking and awesome sunsets. And there's all of that. But, Diego, talk to me about Wi-Fi and a little thing in South Africa called load shedding and what that is. Yeah, that's the first time that we came across <laughs> that little concept. So two things on Wi-Fi that I think are really are, are worth mentioning. One time we went to South Africa probably about three or four years ago. And this pipe, this internet pipe that was going through the ocean had somehow been severed. And that was a, that was a really big deal because then, you know, the entire area was, was out or it was really difficult to get good connection. Let's just assume that's a freak accident. I don't think it's happened since. So we can put I that one that aside. Happened. That's crazy. Oh, that was, that was nuts. That was, so we, we relied totally on mobile data at that point. That's actually the good part, by the way. And I think this is really worth mentioning too. Mobile data there is incredibly cheap very fast, very stable, yeah. easily available. So honestly, to me, it's a no-brainer. You get there, immediately get yourself a SIM card, get some local data, and make sure that you can use your phone. It's unlocked and everything, and you you don't even have to worry about the, the Wi-Fi for yeah. that matter. <laughs> now, the second thing, and that's the weird one, load shedding. So we didn't, we didn't know about that term until we got there, but basically what happens is there's just a ton of electricity usage and the power grid in Cape Town can't support all of the electricity that is being demanded, right? So what happens is that at times the, the government, the city will basically say, we're, well, we're only going to give you so much electricity. So in order to do that, they go, well, today for these two hours, no electricity for everybody. And they have different le- levels, right, of load shedding. Do you remember some of those, those different yes, levels? Yes, it's that like they, level they two, level three. We were mostly at a level two when I was there. But yeah, it depends on like the number of hours it's out for. And, and yeah, it's pretty much just like how long it's out for. Was that like what those numbers meant mostly? Or was there another part to that? Yeah, I think it was also, so it was both the length and then how often during the day. Oh, yeah, right? it was so like level, maybe two times level three or three and four, times or right? four times per day or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's tricky. To me, the biggest problem there, again, if, you, if you're if you doing it smartly and you've got your SIM card and your data mapped out, the tricky part still is 
charging your laptop, mm -hmm. right? You're gonna need a you're gonna need to make sure that your laptop can last a few hours without battery, sorry, without power the power socket, and then as soon as the power's back up, make sure that you're always always charging. Charge, always be charging. Yeah. <laughs> ABC. Yeah, the one good thing about there, so they usually do different neighborhoods at different times, and they it's not like you're be in the middle of a call and it will go out without your you know it's not like a storm where the power just goes out it it's like you have a warning it's like tomorrow at from 2 to 4 a.m and 4 p.m to 6 p.m you will not have power so if you really need it you could go Map, to right? yeah there's a whole app it gives you notifications it's very confusing though i had to ask murray our who is our, our south african friend who is there locally i was like what does this mean what is it going out how do i download this app it was confusing and quite an inconvenience i'll say the place that i was staying had a generator so i did at least have power but still for me like the the cell service kind of was funky and anyway, it's not always happening, but it can be and it's something to be mindful of and there are ways to work around it. But again, this is why it was shocking to me that this was so many people's number one, you know, digital nomad destination in the whole entire world because like can't walk around. There's like this weird load shedding Wi-Fi thing happening. But again, that must speak to how amazing Cape Town is in general that in spite of those things, it is still a top favorite. So I think we've covered Cape Town. I want to hop through some of these next ones. But any other last words before we move on from South Africa? No, no, no. I think I think that's good. It's <laughs> most importantly, maybe just don't let them scare you away. It is truly an amazing place. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason why people. Yeah. And the whole point of this podcast is to share, you know, we're not just like, here's everything amazing about every place. It's like, here's the realities of the places. So be mindful of it when you go so you can do your research and, and know all the things. So yeah, that's. When you listen to our podcast, you're going to get the honest truth of everywhere. So that's number one. Okay, number two might surprise you guys. We actually had somebody write in to us and ask us to do a whole episode on just this location. So we want to throw it in here. And that is a little island called Mauritius, where Diego and I spent, I was there for about five weeks. I guess, yeah, we were both there about five weeks earlier this year. So Diego, a lot of people don't even know where Mauritius is, what it is. Give us like the, the high level lowdown of, of Mauritius. Okay. <laughs> wow, you put me on the spot because as soon as you said a lot of people don't know, I was like, oh, do I still know where it was? I remember coming in and, and definitely thinking that we were somewhere else. If we want to start and you can give the high level. <laughs> it is. Okay, let's so if you're play, looking yeah, at a map, sure. you've got like Cape South Africa is like the bottom tip of Africa. You've kind of got Mozambique right next to it. And then across the ocean, you've got a couple little a little islands. So if you know where Reunion Island is, most people don't, but Madagascar is. So it's like big island of Madagascar, Reunion, and then Mauritius is like this tiny little dot that feels, if you look at a map, it looks like it's between sort of the bottom tip of Africa and like India. So it's like kind of floating in the middle of the ocean in, in the middle of nowhere. So that's where we were, but technically it is Africa. And I thought it was a lot further north. So when I then finally like, you know, you're on Google Maps and you're trying to find your where you accidentally zoom out, you're like, what? Oh, that's where we are? Yeah, we were. So that was a bit of a realization. In the middle of the ocean. So yeah, what is Mauritius yeah. like? And yeah, what like what's the what's the island like? Give us the vibe. Again, it's it's a place that it's not it's not very walkable, but let me see how, how best to explain the <laughs> the vibe there. Definitely definitely island life, but not your, you know, classic like small beachy yeah. island kind of life because it's quite a it's actually quite a big island. It takes you, what, an hour and a half, maybe two hours to drive all the way across yeah. to the different places. And yeah, and, and apart from that, you know, very lush, lots of like semi-jungly. <laughs> Jurassic um, Park of... feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a really, really cool place. And I think actually when when we drove around at first, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Bali. There was something mm -hmm. a little bit Bali-esque about the, the nature there. That was really cool. So yeah, it's definitely 
the it feels a little bit like the mix of an, of island life and and a bigger city and there is a bigger city in the center of it as well but you're probably going to be spending most of your time living closer to the to the beach area yeah. it's also not really on the nomad trail and that's that's no. important to to know too because you you can't just drop in there and, and find a, a local nomad community i mean you, you might find a few people here or there but that that's there, there's not much there and that also means it's not really built for that right you might find a co-working space here here or there maybe in the, in the main part of the city but that that just hasn't been developed for for digital nomads right even cafes yeah. in terms of cafes working from those that's not very common right yeah from and we had found there. like there was a couple nomads who like one of the girls we were with there had started a, a whatsapp group for the nomads there there was maybe 15 20 people on it i feel like in the whole island and when we which is very little yeah, for, yeah. and we went with wi-fi tribes so we had a group of like 20 plus people just with us and i feel like the nomads that we met there there were like nomad friends like ooh, they were so excited wow. to find us because there is not a nomad community there so i was telling that to someone recently and they were like i just want to be alone i don't really care i just want a place where i can you know be outdoors and have this and like if that's you you might like it but if you're someone who needs and wants that like nomad community Mauritius is probably not for you and i think a lot of that mm. is like that you mentioned you, you really have to rent a car to or just like if you're relying on buses and things like that, it's just, it's not easy to get around. And yeah, it's not, most of the nomad places that we'll talk about just in general on this podcast, and the places we go are very walkable places that you don't have to have a car. So it definitely made it different. And it's, it's a strange little place. I remember, I didn't know this before we got there, but you'll find the, f- the food influence, which is the influence of everywhere there is a mix of Indian, African, European, and Chinese. So it's a strange little blend of all sorts of cultures, which was really interesting. But yeah, that's sort of high level Mauritius. But one of the things kind of like Cape Town to me when I, when we drove around, one of the things that stood out was there's these kind of jagged mountains that just kind of pop up everywhere over this island where I also was just kind of like eyes wide open everywhere we drove or, yeah. or walked or went there. I was like, this is it's great for beautiful. Hikes, huh? The hiking was hard. Everything is just up these weird little mountains. But it's some of the most stunning beaches and like mountains and views like you google image it and you're just like whoa like this is beautiful but it it was a strange place to live as a nomad like I a lot of people ask me about it and I always say it's not necessarily a first place I'd recommend even though I like love beaches and love islands there was something kind of strange nomading there and it took us a while eventually we sort of got to know some of the local Mm -hmm people there and I think that made it much more fun and, and really welcoming and wonderful to me but it, it, it's a place that kind of takes a while to crack so if you have a while and like that you know go for it but just yeah that's that's my sort of high level advice there but yeah or go with your crew you know if you've got a, a group of five six people then yeah. I think you can also have a lot of fun because you, you can kind of move and do the different activities another one that I think is really important to mention about Mauritius is windsurfing mm. right like that's a yes. wind kite surfing that's a a really big deal over there. You can do it for, you know, for pretty good price, good place to learn it as well. And it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun to, yeah, to try it out. That is a good point. Cause there is within the nomad world, I feel like there's a little sub community of windsurfers and there are very specific yeah, places yeah. like in Brazil and Portugal, Mauritius, like Zanzibar. I know some of our friends are there now. There's some places in the world that are just really great for that. So if you're a windsurfer, yeah, definitely go there. It's a great place. And when we were there, it is super active. So a lot of people were scuba diving, windsurfing, snorkeling, hiking, like what else? I don't know, probably a bunch. We were out on like tours to see dolphins and whales in the mornings before diving, working, yeah. diving. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of stuff there. So if you love the outdoors, like there there is a lot. And it's also known 
really for, I would say, Europe and parts of Africa as, as like for the resorts. Like it's really a resort sort mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. high end beach island. And you know what, Marissa, maybe that is part of the reason why we struggled to, yeah. to feel like we were cracking it as nomads. I, f- I found that in several pr- places that are primarily catering to to that type of yeah. tourism that primarily have these these bigger resorts. I find I find that it's it feels a little bit it feels a little bit difficult to yeah. really get into it properly, right? Because there's nothing there that's kind of encouraging you to explore, pulling you in, right? Yeah. You really have to do do all of that hard work and and crack it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay, so talk to us about let's start with safety and then we'll get into kind of Wi-Fi and that sort of thing. But safety, we mentioned walkability, which is almost none. You really need to find ways to get around there. Not that you it's kind of safe to walk, it's just like everything's far away. Like you have to have a car to get to the grocery store. Like we lived maybe a, a 50 I could walk to the beach from our house, but like it was it was a walk. But talk to us about safety. Yeah, sure. Look, I, I don't think there's too much to say about safety in terms of what you're probably all thinking about, but primarily dogs, <laughs> packs <laughs> really of dogs, was. if anything, <laughs> was our biggest problem. And it was really just one in the neighborhood. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think that that's the biggest deal. Hurricanes occasionally. Mm, yes, um, we did have two, but two again, all there. Yeah. And it, I mean, they're, they're used to it. So yeah. they've got there, they know when they're showing up and, and what to do about it so no honestly i don't and maybe driving on the on the left side of the road <laughs> so you're probably more of a danger than than anything around you. but yeah i think i think safe, safety wise that's a pretty pretty decent one yeah yeah and then internet yeah wi-fi uh, yeah i think i think it was pretty good there too we didn't really have any issues actually in, in in that so yeah no i wouldn't worry too much about that the only downside of course is that because the cafes aren't really so optimized for you to work from there i do think that you'll find some cafes here or there that have, that have got good wi-fi but it's just a bit sparse yeah right? so i'll probably also get your mobile data yeah yeah like definitely always. can tether everywhere and i would just recommend if you're looking for an airbnb ask like some of the places do have wi-fi and are great and connected and some just kind of don't really so just it's something to mention when you're looking for housing or accommodation if you go just to make sure you ask yes, ahead of time that point. that place has it so there are some you know country yeah. cities locations where it's just like the whole country wi-fi is hard like it's just a given there it it does exist and can exist and is stable but you've got to like even Diego after so you had it set up for wi-fi tribe I stayed in our accommodations like a couple days longer and they had turned off the wi-fi so it wasn't as strong because they didn't want to pay for it other people didn't need it so I was like wait where'd my wi-fi go so yeah (laughs) we're still here here. Um, you you raise a really good point because that is one of the things that we really had to do with them when we when we arrived yeah because we essentially took over a place that's designed for you know that other type of tourism yeah and so they're not even thinking about it from that perspective yeah right like what are you guys doing why are you always on your computers and not at the beach like go have fun (laughs) (laughs) go go explore they were so funny (laughs) get out of here i loved yeah the locals are are really wonderful when to when to get to know them okay anything yeah so co-working kind of hard there uh talk to me real quick about the cost and then we'll move on to location three so cost of marriage cost interesting yeah I feel like it's it's a little bit higher, a little bit higher than your than your other countries in in Africa that we'll we'll be talking about now. Also higher than many of the beach towns yeah. that we've been traveling to. So that's certainly something to take into consideration. That's just sort of general cost of living when it comes to food, drinks, yeah. you know, housing, etc. But not crazy. Yeah. Not crazy by any means. I think you can really make it work. Yeah, that's a good point. It felt like that middle ground where it's like, it's not like expensive places in Europe or anything like that, but it's it's not like a Asian beach town, anything. You know, it's, it's definitely somewhere in between. So cool. All right. So we've got South Africa. We've got Mauritius. Number three, we're going with Nigeria. 
So this is somewhere that I lived in 2019. So this is where I've been. The next place we'll do only Diego has, has been mostly, but Nigeria was an interesting one. So I love to be adventurous as, as a nomad, as a traveler. Like I'd love to get everywhere in the world. I would almost say like, there's very few places I will say no to. And Nigeria to me was a really amazing experience as I look back on it. I feel like I learned a lot. It was it was really fascinating. I think the culture is Nigerians have like some of like just the hardiest, warmest, like the music there, the laughs, the community, like they are amazing. Yeah, like once you get into it. And some of my college friends I was actually just with a couple of weekends ago are from Nigeria and their families are Nigerian and they're like, That's so cool that you were there and like got to live it and experience that because so few people go because Nigeria has a really bad rap of basically as, as being a country that has like a lot of scams, like, you know, trying to, I remember trying to book a flight out of Nigeria. So I book everything one way when I go places because I never know how long I want to stay and trying to, I was trying to book a flight like on Delta on a main airline from there, wherever I was going to next. And I was like, why isn't this flight showing? I know it exists. Like when I look on, on Google flights, but I couldn't, I literally couldn't book a flight out of there. I wasn't using a VPN. I think at the time, because so many scams happen in Nigeria that they're like, this must be a scam. Oh wow! So to that level, like there's a lot of internet security and some, some weird stuff going on. And then the other part of Nigeria is, well, I'll, I'll get to the Wi-Fi in a second, but just to, to be there and I'll get to the infrastructure as well but just the the safety sort of thing it was interesting like so many people warned me before I went I think everyone else was more scared for me they're like this is so unsafe like there's so many scams it's a very dangerous place and not long after I left there was actually a lot of what do you call it like there, there was just a lot of stuff going on with the government and some dangerous things that happened not a couple months after I left but it was almost like if nobody told me it wasn't safe, I wouldn't have felt unsafe, if that makes sense. Like the people were mm -hmm. so amazing, yeah. but like every single place you go to, like a pizza hut or an ice cream place, like there's a security guy with like a two foot gun outside of, of oh, every wow. place. And like our home had, um, most of the homes of the, I guess the nicer homes all have like a dedicated security person that is literally there 24 seven with like gates and barbed wire. So you're like, okay, <laughs> something must be unsafe here because mm. this wouldn't all, all this infrastructure wouldn't be there, but I didn't like feel unsafe if I didn't, I don't know. It was very confusing. So all of that, I never had a, any problems except maybe some like government, like military type people would stop us and ask us for like soda money or something. We're like, no, yeah. you just keep driving. But you know, being out late, like the, there's part of the beauty of Nigeria is the music and the, the club scene, like is all pretty much all music, like comes from the heart of Africa here and, and spans out in different ways. And that is a very late night thing. So being out late was sort of strange in ways, but anyway, it's, it's top line. I could go into detail, but it's a it's a strange place that it's not a nomad place. Not many nomads are going. Like it's hard. Wi-Fi was almost non-existent. But as we talked about with some of the other places, mobile data is really, really cheap. I think I paid, you know, fifty dollars for a whole month. So like two twenty-five dollars sort of gigs for like the whole entire month that did all of my Zoom calls, streaming, like this, that, and the other. And I think that gave me plenty. But yeah, it's it's pretty inexpensive and I literally just tethered my phone the whole time as, as my Wi-Fi because Wi-Fi just literally at hotels, houses, restaurants just hardly existed. So yeah, there's that. Not many co-working. There actually were a couple co-working spaces. They were just kind of far from where we were. So we found like hotels to work at when we wanted to get out of our house. And then the other thing was the power goes out all the time there. So most houses and hotels have generators. 
but you know, you'd be in the middle of a call and like your house just goes dark and I would have to, you know, like it would take a couple minutes, the generator would kick in, but it's, it's not the easiest nomad place. That's for sure, but doable and a really cool experience. So anything that I missed Diego, any thoughts? Yeah. You know, you know, Marissa, I, I love that we're having this conversation right now because I've never actually asked you about your experience. No. And I've never been. So yeah. to me, everything that you're saying right now, I'm just I'm just going, okay, okay. So this is a place <laughs> I definitely wanna wanna travel to. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Just from a from a cultural and, and yes. experience perspective. The first question that came to mind actually that that I hadn't heard from you yet was what what city were you in? Mm, and yes, thank what you. or what city would you recommend for us to be in if we go? Yes, very good question. And sorry I forgot that because Namibia or sorry, Nigeria is a is a huge country. So I was in, in Lagos, which is the biggest city, and there's some stats about it. It's like one of the fastest growing or one of the biggest cities for there's some stat in the world now. And there's actually a lot of like tech companies and things starting out of Lagos. So it's a cool place. Specifically I stayed in a neighborhood called Lekki. And when I was just talking to my Nigerian friends about it, they're like, oh, like you stay in the the nice place, right? Like that's like, so to me, yeah, it was like the nicer of the neighborhoods, but it's still, the infrastructure is not what you're going to be used to in any sort of main European city or anything like that. So yeah, it's a, yeah, Lagos is, there's, there's so much going on there. It's a huge, huge, huge population. And yeah, that's where we were. Any other questions? No, I think I think that's that was really good to hear. I was going to ask you about the cafe scene, but you were already saying that in terms of internet, you're going to have to rely on mobile data anyway. So yeah. you're probably going to be working, I guess, from home. Yeah, um, mostly from yeah. home. Again, we found some hotel lobbies that we like to work from, and there's a oh, couple okay, of yeah. restaurants, but yeah, it's not really set up for nomads. And there were some different neighborhoods that had, there were two main kind of co-working spaces there that were actually pretty nice and did have decent Wi-Fi. They were just too far from where we were and it was hard to get there. But there are Ubers there. Like Uber was really easy. And I I feel like I was always listening to like the coolest music when we were in the cars and like learning a lot from the local people there. So yeah, it's, it's it's a really cool cultural experience. When I'm gone, I always post kind of Instagram stories of just the places, you know, where I am. And I had a lot of people reach out and be like, I want to go to Nigeria, like just from the things I was posting because culturally and I think like, yeah, there's a lot of cool things and it's on the water. Like there's some islands nearby, like there's stuff nearby, beaches. And it's just, yeah, the, the people are amazing, but it does have a lot of like danger. You know, the mental stigma is a lot of danger and it's for a decent reason, but it's, it's doable. So mm. yeah, that was my experience in Nigeria. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. On my bucket list. Yeah. Awesome. So number four, and there are some other places. Again, these are these are where we have personally lived. There's some, like, I know people talk a lot about Ghana as a really safe, like if you're talking about like Western Africa, like there, there's other countries in Africa to, to go and to live and to, to go as nomads. And so we're just kind of specifically speaking to some of the places that we have been personally. And you'll find that Africa is just not on the typical nomad path because a lot of the infrastructure just isn't the same as it is in other places. So it's less information, but yeah, we just wanted to kind of share some of the places that we've been and lived and, and give you the, what it's really like. So that being said, the next one we have is Egypt. Specifically, we're going to talk about Dahab. I've been to Egypt, which I'll talk a little bit about Cairo, but I haven't lived in Dahab. So I'm going to let you sort of give the the overview of that specific place when it comes to nomading. Yeah. And I, th- I think when you talk about Egypt and Dahab, they almost are really two, two entirely different <laughs> yeah. places. So it, it is important to kind of separate that out and go, okay, um, that's really what we're what we're focusing on. So to try to describe Dahab, I mean, starting with with what you'll see, what you're what you'll experience is you you drive in, and as you're kind of driving towards Dahab from the airport, you're just 
you're going in through these canyons in the middle of the desert. It's totally barren. You've got these, you know, these crazy, crazy colors of the, of the desert on, across all sides. And, you know, those rock formations that are like layered, it, it looks incredible. It looks totally surreal. And then you, you sort of come out of these, this mountainous area and, and there's this, this beach town that's just sprawled all the way across the, 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 the ocean there. And with this backdrop of these, you know, first desert and then these big mountains. So it looks, it looks totally dramatic. It's a, it's a really fascinating place to, to be in. And all these little restaurants and, and houses are built really onto the, on stilts onto the water. So yeah, again, just this really magical place. When, when the light goes out, you've got all those lights on, you know, you're just looking at the, a lot down the beach and into this little alcove and you got all these lights that are that are shining on, on the beach it's it's incredible really really quite a quite a beautiful place to be in and it's very with that also it's very tight super walkable so that that's our typical you know favorite yeah. kind of destination for nomads because you don't need a car anywhere there within 30 minutes you've crossed the entire you know the entire really city part of that or city town part of that really it really is a smaller town and there's cafes and restaurants all along that stretch of, of beach. So you're going to find plenty of places to, to work from and, and to, to have a meal. It's, it's v- very inexpensive as well. So definitely definitely an affordable spot. Internet-wise, a bit of, a bit of <laughs> hit or miss. Yeah, so do, do make sure that you get your, your, as always, your mobile data set up and, and you know, do that thing. Make sure you're reaching out to your Airbnb. Do what you can to mitigate against potential internet issues because we did have some of those as well. And, and honestly, we had... With our setup there, I think we had four or five different lines that that our hotel ended up like purpose, you yeah, know, connecting, building in. Yeah, so you really do have to think about that a little bit, but it's possible, and you're gonna find you're gonna find decent internet around as well. Beyond that, Dab is is really well known for its diving. It's again inexpensive and and absolutely stunning. You're you're gonna see some something some of the most amazing diving that that I've seen in my life there. So I highly recommend taking your certificates there if you haven't. Yeah, it was interesting. A lot of, so you guys were in Dahab right before Mauritius. And I feel like half of that group basically came from Egypt to Mauritius. And you'd think like, if I think about Egypt, I think about Mauritius, I would assume the diving in Mauritius would be like so much better. But everyone who came from Egypt was, you know, it's like the diving was fine in Mauritius, but we're just spoke to how amazing the scuba diving in Egypt was, or in Dahab specifically. Like it was the most epic thing like in the whole world and people who had been diving in a ton of places. So yeah, if you're a scuba diver, like put that on your list. And we use spell Dahab. I feel like when people hear it, they're like, wait, what is it? What does that say? So how do you, how do you spell it? You know what? I'm probably even saying it wrong. I think it's actually Dahab. Yeah. So it's D-A-H-A-B. Yeah. What else can I say about it? Maybe important to not make the mistake of going to Sharm El Sheikh. That's kind of like the place that got stuck in time. It used to be the popular dive site and the popular tourism place. But now all you see there is just, you know, these massive, massive resorts, really, that haven't been maintained in over 30 years. And they've just kind of fallen apart. When we spent a night there, we thought we were going to stay at a luxury resort and and it was just raining inside the inside the rooms. So so definitely make sure to go to Dahab. That Sharm El Sheikh is not not walkable either. Very very different vibes. Dahab is more of like this this little hipster town. Very liberal as well. I think that's very important to mention when it comes mm, to Egypt. Yeah. And yeah, that's oh oh last little tip. Don't take your drone. That is where <laughs> I think I lost my fourth or at this point, you know, who's who's counting? I, I lost drones. the drone. <laughs> that's funny. They don't let it in the country. 
Yeah, not a lot of flight drones there. And it's interesting. I remember before you guys went on the chapter, I was in Argentina back in 2019 with a nomad friend, and she had just come from Dahab and was like, it was my, she, she stayed, she meant to go for like a week or two and end up staying two, three months because she was so obsessed with all of the, she was a big scuba diver, but she was like, it was my favorite place in like the whole world. So I went to Egypt right after that and I didn't have time to go, but it's definitely somewhere. Yeah, a lot of nomads are, it's like starting to become a hot spot. I would say like go before it gets so big, but yeah, it seems super affordable. I've heard great things about the people there and it does seem so different than Egypt. So just like a quick note about sort of other places in Egypt. So I've been to Cairo and a couple like beach towns nearby. To me, Egypt, when I think about nomading, it seems like more like aside from Dahab, it seems like more of a place you just kind of want to go almost more on vacation to explore, go see the pyramids, go see, like, you can go down the Nile, there's, like, all these temples and things like that. So I would I would think of it, and it's a very chaotic place. Like, for me, a couple days in Cairo, I was like, wow, I'm overwhelmed from all the haggling and the people, and it's it's just a, a lot of, like, stimulation. There was Wi-Fi. I did work from, I worked on, like, the top of my hotel overlooking the pyramids, so you can do it, but, yeah, if you want a nomad in Egypt, I would say go to Dahab and then sort of take a, a week or some weekends to explore the rest of Egypt but how did you guys feel uh, safety wise in Dahab yeah that's an important question I think we we felt very good there we could walk at any time of the day really that wasn't really an issue because again everything's walkable it's a small town it's, it's that feeling of everybody knows everybody but you do get hustled a lot and I was actually surprised that I, I experienced the most aggressive hustle I've ever experienced anywhere Explain um, what you so mean by hustle be, for yeah. someone who might not be familiar with that. Right. So, it's, you know, you're walking down down the, the, the road, down the beach path, and there's there's all these different little shops along the way. And then you'll have somebody, you know, just as you're walking by, they'll start to talk to you. They'll be super friendly. They'll, you know, tell you, oh, just <laughs> come in, have a look at this. Oh, try this on or do that. You know, and they're, it feels like they're really just engaging with you and entertaining you. But as soon as you like as soon as you start that conversation as soon as you commit to that conversation that that's it there's an expectation that you're going to buy something and that's actually what happened to us that we really insisted that we were actually not going to buy something because we you know didn't didn't expect to and didn't want to and i i got physically shoved out of the shop and the person was visibly angry with me so this is just something to to bear in mind that enter a shop when you know you're going to buy something otherwise probably probably don't bother yeah Right. A lot Just of a lot of price haggling, a lot of like it's like scam. It's not like big scams, but it's like dollars, ten dollars here, scams. this there. You're yeah. like, oh come on, someone will show you around and then be like, where's my money? And you're like, what? You just I was just walking anyway, things like that. So right, right. yeah, it can it can wear you down over time for sure. So I remember I was there and then came to Oman to meet you, and it was like so peaceful in Oman comparatively. And I was like, this is so pleasant. Like no one's haggling me. Let's talk about Oman another episode. We're sticking to Africa for now, but. Next, I'll say number five on our list, so five of five for countries in Africa that we're talking about today, is Namibia. I know when I say this country, a lot of people are like, like where, what? Like, have never, often have never even heard of this country, at least in the States. It's not a big one people talk about. Don't know where it is. Right near kind of South Africa and Angola, kind of like wedged between those two, thinking about a map. But Diego and I both were there for about a month earlier this year. So I'll let you start with the high level, and then I'll talk about some of the adventures and just other stuff as we go in. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so Namibia, I'd say, is another one of those that's really 
completely off the nomad trail, right? There's just no digital nomad infrastructure there. You're not going to really find a, a nomad community. What, you know, the, the, the 15, 20 people that we heard of in, in Mauritius, well, it's probably even less in, in Namibia. <laughs> I think the grand total was however many we brought there. Yes. So it's really, yeah, don't, don't expect that. So come, come prepared for that. Again, I think it's one of those places that you're going to want to do with a group of friends. Yeah. Also because of the type of adventures and trips that you're, that you're going to want to do there, there honestly one of the coolest countries in the world so incredibly adventurous oh yeah but and i marissa i'm not i'm not going to be telling anyone about our adventures because frankly you guys did the the craziest (laughs) trip and and even while we were in namibia i was having fomo of what you guys were doing knowing that i was going to do the same thing shortly after what what an experience so yeah i don't know if you want to hop into that yeah i'll start with the adventure because yeah namibia really is all about the adventure and then we'll talk about some of like living in in the main city and what that's like as a nomad so namibia i can't speak namibia is it's the third least populated country in the world to start And so what makes it so cool, I think, you know, as we've traveled so much now, there's so many touristy spots and like everywhere you go, you're surrounded by people. And then specifically within Africa, if I think about going on safari, like typically when you go, you kind of go into a park and like you see all the other tourists there and their little like safari clothing where you're like, why are you wearing that? Just be a normal person. That's one of my pet peeves anyway. We'll get into that. But it all feels very often very touristy and very planned out in other countries when you go on safaris and can be super expensive as well. And when you go to Namibia, it almost feels like the whole country is just a safari because there's so few people that animals are literally... There are some specific parks that are, you know, really large and fenced in and are there for wildlife and people will go specifically to those places because your chances are higher of, you know, seeing certain animals of, you know, lions, elephants, giraffes, that sort of stuff. But we did a nine day road trip throughout the country and just everywhere you go, depending, I mean, there's some places by the coast that don't have certain animals, but you know, there's like chances of lions just going by and you'll just be driving and you're like, oh, there's a giraffe on the side of the road. (laughs) Like there's some zebras running by and it's just like unlike anywhere else in the world. And the people are amazing And just like when you look at planning out a a road trip there, so most, we ran into a couple who we spent some days sandboarding. So kind of like snowboarding, but on, on sand dunes by the ocean there, which by the way, it's one of the only places in the world where the sand dunes meet the ocean. So it's like number one, really, there's a zillion cool things in Namibia, but we were with this couple who was on their honeymoon and she was like, we've been planning this out for like over a year. I've read three books. I did all of this. And I was like, oh my God, we planned this road trip. Like the day I, we landed, talked to someone, planned the trip and just started oh going, which, you know, <laughs> for better or worse, I, we, there was probably some safety things we could have known. But just as an example, when you're driving in between places in Namibia, I was asking this woman who, who knows the area really well. I was like, okay, we're, you know, I want to be in this local town and I'm trying to get here. You know, how do I need to stop somewhere in the middle for a night? Or Because like, I on Google Maps, it says it would take like six hours. She was like, that'll take you a minimum of 12 hours if there's a road that goes there, like the road just might not be there because they're all just these like dirt roads. So it's an, if you're one for adventure, honestly, so I, I was on a road trip with three other people there, three other nomad friends who Diego knows well. And it was honestly for all four of us who have traveled all over the world. It's easily like the, the best nine days of my whole life, like the, the coolest adventure of my whole life, I will say. And I've been to over oh 75 countries. Mercy, you're saying this now and I'm getting FOMO again. I know. We wanted you to be there so, <laughs> so bad because Diego loves adventure. So yeah, like you're not allowed to drive. You're not supposed to drive at night between, you know, everywhere you go takes like four to five hours to drive between towns because 
the roads are like again non-existent and there could be animals everywhere so you're you're legally not supposed to drive in these like outside of you know cities at night because like you could get eaten by a lion like you don't know what will happen and we're camping so we were camping on top of our car like on these like tents on top of the the roof and yeah it's like you're supposed to camp like in specific campgrounds so that you don't get eaten by lions so I won't get into all the adventures of you know the night where we did get caught between two rivers and and couldn't sleep in a campground and thought we might get eaten by lions there was a lot of adventure going on but it was easily one of the coolest places I've ever been Look, even the sleeping on those little tents on top of the cars, I've never seen that anywhere else. It was so fun. And you that guys did that for a weekend as well nuts. by the sand dunes, yeah. Inspired by your by your epic trip. We're like, okay, we have to do at least a piece of this. Yeah, it's um, so, so cool. Yeah. There's just no, what a, so much to see and do there. So, yeah, Namibia is for adventure. But talk to us, so where were you guys living? So you guys did a Wi-Fi tribe chapter there. I stayed in the city a little bit, but talk to me about, yeah, where were you guys living in Namibia and what was it like on a kind of day-to-day, like month-long basis as a nomad? Yeah, so there's there's two places that you might want to base yourself out of. There is Swakopmund and Windhoek. <laughs> yeah. And we, we we were actually based out of Windhoek, which is the 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 main, the big, biggest city in, in Namibia. However, so, and that's actually ideal to be sort of more centrally located. And so you can get around very easily to, to all the different, well, very easily. I mean, like you said, <laughs> the country is big. and <laughs> dirt roads and... Yeah. There's no way around that, so you're going to have to... But, but it does get you a little bit closer. Yeah. Swakopmund is on the coast on beach, but don't expect, again, your classic beach town. No. Actually, Swakopmund <laughs> is probably the mo- the one of the weirdest, the weirdest places I've ever been to. The creepiest. It's just so apparently... And, cre- and creepy, because... So basically, this is what it's like. You've got you've got the beach there, and you know everything. Everything basically, it's, you got the formula for a beautiful beach town, right? But then it turns out that I'm half German, half Bolivian. It turns out that that little town is primarily a German town. Oh, I forgot. It was there. the German. Yeah, it was so bizarre. Right. And so, so they've brought all of their weirdness to this place in Africa, somewhere where it really doesn't belong. And then the the thing that makes it really like, apart from that, that just kind of makes it eerie because you're just going like, what's this doing here? The, the thing that makes it really creepy is throughout the day, the, the the fog will come in and the entire town just completely disappears in this fog. And that actually makes it a little bit cold as well. So yeah, just just bear that in mind as you're thinking of where you'd like to, to base yourself. But it is a, it's also a cool town to be based. Swakopmund is walkable, whereas Windhoek really isn't. Windhoek is, is you're going to have to get around with the car. Again, simple to get sort of public transport or, or you know, the local Uber system there. That's not a, that's not a big problem. But it's it's more than about, you know, I'm going to be eating at these restaurants, maybe going to some of these cafes and those kind of things. Yeah. What else? What else can I say about it? Just not much of an infrastructure in the and the inter in terms of for digital nomads. And the Internet was also a little bit tricky for us there. So in the place that we had, despite them, you know, doing a lot of work on it to try to get it all set up the way that we wanted it to be. It probably took about two weeks before we had it fully stabilized as, as it probably should be. So again, we, we would have had to rely on mobile data to, to cover some of that. And in your case, Marissa, what was your experience? Because you were at a, at a hotel. Yeah, we stayed at a hotel because I just wasn't sure how long I was going to be there and ended up ended up staying like a week longer than um, I meant to. So I wanted the flexibility of a hotel. But the, the Wi-Fi in the hotel was amazing. So... I think that just tells me, you know, be aware and maybe ask your, if you're, if you're going to stay at more of an Airbnb style or kind of house, make sure you ask ahead of time about the Wi-Fi and the infrastructure, but it's possible because the hotel that we stayed at and some of the restaurants, cafes, 
did have really good Wi-Fi. So it's, you know, definitely possible. But again, kind of like Mauritius, check ahead of time and make sure where you're going to be. You know, ask for speed tests, ask about the reliability and that sort of thing. So yeah, definitely doable. There are a couple co-working spaces and sort of like hostel type hotels there. So it exists, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a funky little country and highly amazing. I would definitely recommend going there. I think the last thing just to talk about is safety. If you don't mind just giving like a quick little, I know we talked about, it's hard to kind of walk places there, but just kind of high level safety. And then we'll wrap up this episode. Yeah. Sweet. That's an important one too. So we had, we had a safety incident right as we arrived on the first weekend there. And I, I, I want to caveat this by saying, you know, don't don't let this put you off from Namibia because, again, the, the place is absolutely stunning and you're going to run into trouble. You can run into trouble anywhere in the world, right? So what happened here is there there was a small group of people that went to an area that wasn't very safe in town. In fact, there was there was a sign somewhere there that literally said, like, watch out for this area. This, this, area, this is an unsafe area. Don't walk around here. And and then they did get they get they got mugged. And I think somebody also lost uh, lost their phone in the process. So that's, yeah, that kind of set the tone for, for our stay there to feel a little bit more on edge. But I, I, apart from that, I've, I've heard from locals that, again, as, as always, there's safe areas, there's slightly less safe areas, but I wouldn't consider it to feel as unsafe as, say, for example, South Africa or Rio or, or other places that have that kind of reputation. I don't know, Merce, if that was kind of a similar feel that yeah, you Yeah, that's a great point. It was funny when, when we first got there, we had this taxi driver who drove us from the airport who was like, we ended up getting his text message. Like he would drive us and was just like a, an amazing, like really funny guy. And on our way there, we, you know, anywhere I get, I like to ask someone local. And if someone's driving me from the airport, I'm always like, what's the safety deal here? You know, you can research and know but asking a local is the best. And he was like, it is so safe. You can walk anywhere. You can do everything. And then I know you guys had this incident. So, you know, I think like with everywhere, I definitely was not as on guard as South Africa by any means. But I I guess, yeah, it's the same as sort of be careful, walk in specific areas. If there's a sign that says don't walk here or go, you know, don't or make sure you have a big group or whatever it is. But you could kind of walk around. It's not a very walkable city in general, but I felt pretty safe, like, you know, during the day and around, just sort of walking around and driving through the whole country. I mean, we were such a, like, there was four of us just driving a car. I feel like sometimes I, w- I would go, you know how sometimes when you're an adult, you're like, who let me be an adult by myself? I kind of felt that being there. I was like, who gave me permission to just, like, drive this, gave us permission to drive this car in this country for four days, like, knowing nothing. Or sorry, for, for nine days, four of us. But I felt really safe. Like, everyone we came across driving through that country was so helpful, like, if you get a flat tire in the middle of places, like people help, people are are really amazingly wonderful. So like you said, with with anywhere, we've talked about this on some of the other safety episodes. It's like you could be in your hometown and, and get, you know, robbed or mugged if you're walking on the wrong block at the wrong time. So to me, it kind of feels like that. But it's generally when I think about Africa, it's like it feels very safe comparatively. So that's yeah, that's sort of the, the bird's eye view of Namibia. And the last one, I don't know, Diego, if you want to give just like a quick mention. So this is, that was our, our five countries in Africa that we've lived as digital nomads and take it, some of, the, some of them we suggest for you, some of them might not be for you. We wanted to mention one quick more that I've, I've been to Morocco just for a day, but you, I know Wi-Fi Tribe Chapters, there's a great place in Morocco if you could just talk about a town that we recommend and then we'll, we'll close this episode. 
Yeah, so, so to add an, an honorable mention here for it, because we we haven't, personally well, you've been there for, for a day, I haven't personally been there yet, but we have done a chapter there in the past. So a chapter is basically what we call our trips with, with Wi-Fi Tribe, where, where there's, you know, 20, 25 digital nomads going to a place. And it is also a destination that for many years, even before the pandemic, before the remote work exploded, had a reputation for being a spot that digital nomads would go to, right? And in that case, I think big spots are, I guess Marrakesh is probably one of the one of the very well known for, for Morocco, for digital nomads. And yeah, from, from what I heard from people, again, it's a stunning country. Obviously, culturally, there's so much to explore there. Food is absolutely incredible. A lot of areas are apparently quite walkable. I have also heard that it's especially for female travel travelers, it can be a little bit, yeah, it can be it can be a little bit more challenging, a little little bit more hustle and yeah. Yeah. But but again, beautiful place. I don't know, Mercy, you probably know a little bit more about the place, but just worth having on your yeah, radar, guys. I haven't been the place that I think you guys did the chapter and a lot of people talk about and I'm probably mispronouncing it, is uh like Tagazoot. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but it's a little beach, more like surfy sort of town that has really cool chill vibes. So I know a lot of people like that. For nomad life. So yeah, we're not speaking as personally to it because we haven't been, but just wanted to kind of throw that out as another African country. And I would say Ghana is another one I haven't been to, but people talk about as being like a really safe, wonderful place to go and loves it as nomads. And then Kenya, I've been there for about a week. I haven't lived as a nomad, but also Nairobi is, it's, it's, it reminds me of Nigerian ways. It's, it's very intense, like a lot going on, but is also a favorite for nomads as well. And then recently, you know, there's like, you've got Zanzibar and there's some islands off of Kenya. So these five, pla- the five countries we talked about are not the only places in Africa to go as a nomad, but just some of our personal experiences. So lots of places. And I hope to see, you know, as Wi-Fi starts getting better and better throughout the world and nomads are, you know, exploring more places, I think a lot more countries will start to have more advice and infrastructure for, yeah, for the sort of nomad life. And to me, the whole continent is just like, there's so many more places I want to explore of like Uganda and Rwanda. Like there's, there's just so much epicness to Africa. So put it on your list. Definitely don't be afraid. Go and visit. And any other last words, Diego? No, no, that's, that's it. But it's, I'm really glad that we were able to do this, this episode because yeah, there's just not so many people that are traveling over to Africa. And I think there's, there's so much to explore there and it's important for the world to give it more of a, a try as well and, yeah. and start to, you know, start to come over and, and talk about it a little bit more because there's just so much, but yeah, I think these kind of things will help, you know, br- bring your friends over, but also share the, spread the word. And just do it in a way that it's not going to affect your affect your work. So hopefully some of these tips have helped to allow you to just feel a little bit more prepared for it. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining us today. As always, reach out if you have any questions. If you are looking for a job as a digital or to become a digital nomad, we have a great resource, beachcommute.com slash 91. You'll find 91 remote jobs that actual digital nomads in our community are doing. And if you just want to join our email list, check out beachcommute.com slash email. And we share weekly remote jobs that we're promoting, all sorts of stuff about our podcast, different things going on. So if you like the podcast and you want more from us, definitely join our email list and we will see you next week. Thank you.